Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three and author of the Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. I'm also the lead teacher, blogger, and owner of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast devoted to healthy family cooking with traditional methods like sourdough and old-fashioned pickling. These foods are easy, delicious, healing, and your family will love them. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free gift for you. Five free traditional cooking videos from inside Traditional Cooking School that will introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. To start watching today, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash watch. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Know Your Food Podcast with Wardy. This is episode 150, and for links and more, you can visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150 for episode 150. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I want to give a special welcome to everyone who's live with me right now on Periscope. Um, my channel is at Trad Cook School, and every Thursday I hop on here, well, most Thursdays I hop on here to do a live recording of Know Your Food with Wardy. If you're coming in later, welcome to you as well. You are just as special to me if you're listening on iTunes or if you're listening on the blog. And if you are connecting on iTunes and you have any interest at all in watching the video recording of this, you can pop all over to the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150, because there will be a video of everything I'm saying embedded right in the post, and you can follow along that way if you'd like. But no matter what, at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150, you will find the links that I mentioned, um, the notes for what I'm going to talk about today, a video recording, and of course you can press play on the audio file. I'm so glad you're all with me today. I want to tell you, um, this is going to be a fun episode and I hope it'll be a series, but I'm going to depend on you to let me know if you want more of this today. So I, you know, at traditional cooking school, um, my professional development that helps me um, reach uh, spread this message of traditional cooking and health and healing and hope and joy in the kitchen. The way that I develop myself is by um, um, uh, listening to podcasts and reading books about business, really, and reaching people with a message. And so there is one podcast in particular that I listen to and I subscribe to, and it's a guy who helps with emails. And you know, we have a robust e email list at Traditional Cooking School, which I hope you're on. If you're not, just you know, come by traditionalcookingschool.com and um, you know, sign up for something. We have free starter or fermenting formulas cheat sheet, nearly every article you read, there is some kind of offer there, something free for you to grab that'll put you on my email list. And so email is a way that I just love to connect with you all um, every day. So I look into resources to help me do a better job of it. And so there's this one podcast and uh, the guy teaches email about how to do email and do it well. And he has this thing called email rules and they're kind of life's lessons that um, he talks about and he applies it specifically to email. So I was thinking, this is so interesting to think about, you know, email rules and how you can apply it to your business and your relationships and pretty much anything you do. Well, I got to thinking, we spend a lot of our time in the kitchen and there are so many things that happen in the kitchen that you can apply to the rest of your life. And the kitchen work is not just kitchen work, but it teaches you about God and your family, helps you build your character, helps you develop as a person. It's not just the skills. 
So that's why I'm starting, well, today's podcast at least, is all I really need to know I learned in the kitchen. And we're going to go over kitchen rules one through five. Um, So I hope you like this series. And as I said, I'm depending on you to let me know if you like it or not, because, you know, my creativity is somewhat limited because I'm probably not that creative a person. But if you like it, and if I can keep coming up with um, kitchen rules that you can apply to life, uh, then I'll do it. And of course, I want to hear from you too, uh, if you have any kitchen rules, because then we can feature them on future episodes. And Moms with Alice is saying, cute, love the name. Good. Well, I hope you like the rules, because as I said, I have kitchen rules one to five. They are life's lessons from the kitchen. They're going to help you in the kitchen. They're going to help you with your husband, your kids, your friends, your life, your character. Um, And really, these kind of things are such a gift from God because he doesn't leave us alone. And all the tasks he gives us with our hands, we can either learn from them or we can just, you know, be clueless to developing and growing through the hard times and the the good times. And I personally want to be someone who's always growing and learning. And since I spend a lot of time in the kitchen, you guys spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Why don't we, uh, why don't we learn from it? Why don't we really, like, you know get some valuable character development, relationship growing stuff out of the kitchen. So some of these are going to be fun. Some of these are going to be, and by the way, I'm preaching to the choir here on all of these. So I hope nobody thinks that I'm perfect in all of these because these are definitely things I grow in. Okay. And I want to ask you a favor. If you really like what I'm saying, um, please, and you're live with me here on Periscope, please invite others to join us. But I especially depend on you to just show me how you feel about what we're saying uh, by the hearts flowing and also your comments. Okay? Give me some feedback as we're going. And if you're listening to this later, I want to hear your feedback at the show notes. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150. You can tell me which one of these resonate with you and you can add some of your own. Okay, so number one, kitchen rules number one. What happens in the kitchen stays in the kitchen. Here's the thing. We're working in the kitchen. It's not always hunky-dory. It's not always, you know, roses and sunshine. We have stresses. We have failures. We have people that are not happy with what we're making because we are serving a family. And so, you know, there's complaints and there's mistakes of our own. And so this is something I have really learned. What happens in the kitchen stays in the kitchen. In other words, don't let those downs mostly uh, affect the rest of your life and the rest of your day. Don't let them carry into your relationships with your spouse or your kids. Don't let them, you know, as much as you can, don't don't let them affect, um, you know, anything else that's going on. Just let it stay in the kitchen. Put it to bed. It's just like if you have ups and downs in at work or ups and downs with your spouse, you can like carry those on your shoulders as resentments that can can uh, cloud your judgment, cloud your relationship, cloud the way you feel about other things. So whatever um, obstacles you counter in the kitchen, just leave them in the kitchen. You know, even if you're even if your kitchen doesn't have a door on it, when you leave the kitchen, pretend it's like a closed door and you're just closing that. If you've had a particular challenge, you're just closing that and you're starting fresh. Okay, so what, happens in the kitchen, stays in the kitchen. (laughs) And it's really true for the negatives. It's not true for the positives. If you have great experiences that lift you up and make you feel good, you know, feel free to carry those with you out of the kitchen. All right, number two. I'm actually doing the ones that are slightly negative first, so I can can, um, end on a good note. 
And thank you in the in the comments. Um, Patterson mommy saying her husband just walked in, heard the lesson, and laughed out loud. <laughs> I'm getting. I really like rule one. Sounds good. Don't carry bad mood. Yes, and you can learn this really with anything. But it happens a lot in the kitchen. We've had some bad days, haven't we? All right, number two. You can't please everyone. This is a little bit related, but I want to take it further. So. If your family doesn't like what's being served, you may have a picky eater in your family, you may have someone that's very hard to please, you just may have the occasional, ugh, this is not good, mom, or whatnot. So no matter what, if they don't like what's being served, they wish it could be done differently, that's okay. It's bound to be that way. So just recognize you cannot please everyone. Don't take it to heart and blame yourself. Just that's the way it is. And also know that you can put some boundaries on it, really. They're not gonna starve. And you don't need to cook five different meals to please all five people in your family. Um, we're not perfect. We're not perfect cooks, so we're not going to like please them all the time, every time. So if they don't want it, don't carry a grudge and take it personally that they don't want it. Let them not want it. And they can fix something of their own. They can go without that meal. They're not going to starve. But you don't need to take it personally, and you don't need to hold yourself up on this high pedestal of it has to be perfect every time. It does not have to be perfect every time. And here's the thing. Let's say it was possible for you to be perfect every time. Let's say you never made a mistake in the kitchen. You never burned anything. Your dough was never doughy inside. You're perfect. Well, guess what? You're still not going to please everyone because there's no accounting for taste. You cannot be perfect and expect that everybody's going to like it. So that was tip number two. Own it. Feel it. The next time uh, people are not happy, your, your spouse or your children are not happy with what you cook, whether they're young or whether they're old, know that you can't please everyone. That's just the way it is. And in fact, if you... Um, <laughs> Moms with Alice is saying, I just say, oops. <laughs> I think that's what you're saying. In fact, if you go in knowing that you can't please everyone, why don't you, um, why don't you just, I mean, feel that kind of liberty of you just expect it. Expect that, no, that they're not going to like it and own it. And, and it's not that you're going to try, try to do things that they don't like, but it's just not so hard when they do. Um, in the comments, I believe that was Moms with Alice, but I, I may have forgotten or not caught it correctly, but she says her husband just tells the kids, there's the peanut butter jar <laughs> if they don't like something. Exactly. I mean, if you don't like it, fix your own or don't eat. <laughs> All right. Number three, you are the mom, not the maid. Now, excuse me for not talking to any gentleman in the audience, but it goes for you too. You could say you're, I don't know, you guys who've watched Downton Abbey, who's, what, what's the role of the guy who serves? It's not the butler, but it's the, or maybe it is a butler. Um, anyway, fill me in in the comments. But you are the mom, not the maid. Here's the thing. You're a mom, and you may do cooking and cleaning. Most of us do. But this is not your, it, it is your job, but it's not your duty. And let me explain that, because you know, your job is your duty. You want to do the work of your hands to the best of your ability. So, but it's, what I want to capture here is that the service you do for your family, the cooking and the cleaning and the housekeeping and the serving and the planning special meals and all that, you're doing it out of love to your family. You're not doing it because you have to. You're not doing it because, um, um, like, your family life would fall apart if you didn't. What I want to say, how do I say it? I don't feel like I'm explaining it very well, but the idea is it's the way you show your family love and you want to do it, but you're not hired to do it. It's what you want to do. Let me explain more and maybe it'll become clear this little nuance I feel like I'm not saying very well. 
So because you're the mom, you want to be a strong mom. I'm talking to myself here. You, part of being a strong mom is knowing what you should and you shouldn't do. So what you shouldn't do. In the comments, what you, what you do does not, is not necessarily who you are. Yes, that is, that is a part of what I'm trying to say here. So what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't let your family walk all over you uh, doing things that they should rightfully be doing themselves. So maybe you want to get everybody a drink when they request. Maybe you want to you know, pick up every little crumb. Maybe you want to do all that, but it doesn't mean you should. So the things that you want, the things that you want to do, think about as a mom if you're being strong and if you really should be doing it for them. So we have this labor of love. We want to nurture and care. But sometimes we have to be strong and set some boundaries and say, well, I'm not actually going to do all those things for you even if I want to because it's not my job to do things that you should rightfully be doing for yourselves. This is things like picking up after themselves, talking about the rest of the family, pitching in, giving you a break when you need it. If you're sick, you know, somebody else step in and serve the family, keeping things tidy in the cupboards, putting things away where they go. These are little things that you're not, you shouldn't follow around after your family and pick up these things. They should be doing it. So maybe it means that for a couple, um, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months that you're very active. And I have to, I have to uh, force myself to do this when, the, you know, when things get a little sloppy in the kitchen because it's in my nature just, oh, I'm going to fix that. Oh, I'm going to wipe that counter. Oh, I'm going to put this away. But see, the kids have certain duties in the kitchen and, or they're fixing food for themselves. Well, if they make a mess on the counter or if they, you know, they don't wash all their dishes because in our house we tend to, you know, everybody washes their own dishes. So sometimes somebody will, you know, do some toast with butter and they'll just leave the butter knife by the sink. And me, I'm a person who will just wash it and put it away. But I have to make myself go find that person who, who left the butter knife here and didn't wash it. And it's not that I'm getting after them or getting mad about them, but it's a, it's a bringing it to their attention that that is your responsibility and it's not my job to pick up after things that you should be picking up after yourself. The other thing is when somebody's putting away the dishes. Well, we have certain places in the cupboard, like the cups should be arranged in a certain way, and we're not militaristic, but things fit in the cupboard better if they fit the way we've kind of said, these things go here, these things go here. Well, sometimes people can get sloppy with putting away the things, and then it just makes a mess in the cupboard for anybody who comes around later. And again, it's not militaristic, it's just that we're trying to make things work. So I try to put things away the same way every time, and I expect the same thing of the kids. So if they do a poor job of putting the glasses away or the pots away and the cupboard's a mess, or they're getting you know, food out of jars in the cupboard and there's like you know, crumbs of cocoa powder or whatever came out of the jar because they're not getting the whole thing out of the cupboard, they're just like you know, dipping their spoon and it's dripping, well, that's not something I should come in and clean up. I should, in fact, go to the person who just did that job and say, Look, this, what you just did is, I'm not your maid, <laughs> but as your mom, I'm telling you to step up a bit here um, because it's best for the whole family if we all do our part. And it's not my job to come in after you and fix the little sloppy things that you could and should have done for yourself. Again, it comes down to, I'm not your maid, I'm your mom. And with the mom, I think this is talking it through is helping me. With the mom comes the service part, like I love you and I want to cook you food and plan special meals for your birthday and I want to think about the menu and how to please you. And I'm really actually happy, you know, to bring you a napkin if you're already settled on the couch, you know, and I'm walking by. Yes, I'd love to bring you a napkin to help you out so you don't have to get up. But here's the thing. The other part of me, the mom part, is the part that's trying to raise up children 
um, who like know how to do things well in the kitchen. And so the mom part of me is the disciplinary part, and it's not a mean discipline, it's just I'm gonna point out to you when you have not done it well enough, and it, it affects the rest of the family when you make a mess of the pot cupboard or whatnot. And I'm talking about these things because they've happened, but I know I'm seeing in the comments that you guys are relating and that your homes are like this too. Well, I think as the moms, we really have to take ownership of this role that we are not the maid, we're the mom. And with the mom, we need to be strong and service-oriented. Thank you so much, Leanne and I can't read your name. You're saying you needed to hear this and you agree. And thank you so much. The hearts are flowing. I'm glad you're resonating with it. And I, I really appreciate you've been patient with me uh, talking through this thing uh, to kind of clarify what the maid person is like and what the mom person is like. And I myself, I have to work at it to strive to be the mom who loves and wants to serve and who is also strong enough to say, that's not my job. And I want you to be a responsible person in this family. Um, it's like we say in our Real Food Kids e-course, everyone eats, everyone cooks. In our home, we expect everybody to participate. Now, I'm in charge of the kitchen, but I want them to participate. Moms with Alice is saying, you're not doing them any favors by not letting them learn the correct behavior. Yes, exactly. In fact, we're hurting them by not teaching them the correct behavior. And how this looks in your family may be completely different. So don't take what I've said and say, you know, this is it, because you may have very small babies, you may have um, a husband who's disabled, you may have children with, you know, issues or very, everybody's very, very busy. So you have to decide how this looks in your family and what kind of boundaries you want to put on the maidhood. Um, you know, what things you can and should do in your family and force in your family. I think I said it, but I want to say it again. Um, I am a person that loves to serve. And if there is somebody who needs me, especially my family members, it makes me happier than anything for them to express a need that I can fill. Even if it's bringing them a napkin or a glass of water or something that they need. I actually love it when they ask me to help and I love to help them. So um, don't let this rule like cloud that aspect of your personality if you have that because that's a beautiful thing to want to serve and love your family and we do want to nurture that. I think it's just healthy boundaries. And in the comments, you guys are saying this word. I've seen it several times come up, boundaries. This is a boundaries thing. <laughs> Sandy is asking, does this apply to hubby as well? Well, you have to work that out with your hubby because um, I think there's dynamics for every relationship. And you know, I'm talking in general about mom here, and I think specifically I feel comfortable giving advice with children because the role between mom and children is pretty clear. It's less clear between husband and wife. Um, but certainly, you know, there are things that come up between husbands and wives where it's within the realm of a healthy relationship to set some boundaries. The other day I read an article about a woman who got in a car accident and was not able to cook anymore. And they had a challenge in their relationship because her husband expected her to cook. And this was actually in an advice column, a marriage advice column. And so the advice was given that, um, to just communicate with the family and say, look, I'm hurt and I need so much time to recover from this car accident. I am not able to cook. So here are the things that need to be done. And this was, this was a conversation with the husband and the kids. Here are the things that need to be done. Between, between you guys, decide who wants to do what. And I'm here to give you advice and tell you how to do things if you need help. So that's just one example of how it could work uh, with a husband and wife. But again, I do want to stay away from that that particular dynamic, because I think it's so personal to your beliefs about the relationship and the personality of the husband and wife and whatnot. 
having said that, I think every husband, every wife has a way to, you know, set boundaries and not be a doormat for the other person. So I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, so food, uh, communication is key, says Moms with Alice. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, kitchen rule number four, cultivate the habit of thankfulness. So here's one thing I want to tell you about my husband. This is one thing that he does, and I've noticed it recently, and he told me that he decided a while back to do this. He just decided this was important to do, and he's been doing it. I really appreciate it. He says thank you, and he says thank you for the smallest things. So like if, you know, he's... If I bring him his floss and toothpick after he's done eating because I'm up in the kitchen anyway and I know he needs that at the end of his meal and he's sitting down, if I bring that to him, he says thank you. If I pour his tea, he says thank you. If I gather up his plate and silverware, he says thank you. He says thank you for everything that anybody that, well, I don't know. I think he does it with all the kids too, but I've noticed it, especially with me. He has made a point to say thank you about anything I do for him. You know how much that blesses me? It's huge. And it's really, um, I feel like I'm a thankful person and I've generally thanked people all my life. But what I've realized is that uh, to really go the extra mile with cultivating a habit of thankfulness, you have to do more than you naturally do even. I mean, you have to pursue it kind of like my husband did. So I've learned from him and I've become more thankful myself by watching how he has given thanks to me. Now you may not have you know, everyone has different lessons. So if your your kids or your husband haven't learned that particular lesson, it doesn't mean you can't yourself cultivate the habit of thankfulness. You could be the one to decide, I am going to thank everyone who helps me in the kitchen or comes to the table with a smile or whatever. I'm going to thank everyone for anything. Okay, not to get too extreme, but anything that stands out. Actually, not even anything that stands out. You could have a sourpuss helping you in the kitchen because they have to, and you thank them, and it melts them and warms them up. So um, cultivate that. And if there's somebody in your life who does it, pay attention to that, learn for it, or you be the one to decide to do it. Do you say thank you when your children help you in the kitchen? Do you show appreciation so they know it was worth it and meant a lot to you and they're more willing to do it next time? Um, I've also found that when someone thanks me, like my husband does, if I'm energetic, more energetic than I feel or I normally would be in my return of, you know, it was my pleasure or I'm happy to do it, then the exchange is a big blessing to both of us and it affirms the love and the care on both sides, not just one. So, you know, and if you're the one who's deciding to cultivate the thankfulness and you're beginning to give thanks to the people in your life who touch you and help you and participate, it may take a while to warm them up. But I have a feeling that 99% of the time, they are going to warm up and soften and smile more. And that pretty soon, it just flows. It just affects people. It can't help but affect people. That It's like God's love. Um, it's very hard to be unaffected and softened by love. I mean, what is the phrase? Love, I, I can't think of it, but love, you guys help me out. <laughs> uh, but love is the thing. Love crosses barriers love uh, overcomes smiles, I mean, frowns, love melts away ice, love is just like the most beautiful thing in the world. Okay, and number five, this is the last, love never fails. <laughs> Thank you. Why was that blocking? <laughs> Why couldn't I think of that? But that's exactly it. Love never fails. Love is the most active, wonderful thing you can do. And so here we are in the kitchen serving. And if people are coming your way, thank them. Um, 
So that was number four, cultivate the habit of thankfulness. So now number five, and this is our last kitchen rules um, of all I really need to know I learned in the kitchen. So number five is kind of a fun one, kiss the cook. It's related to number four. Now I was thinking kiss the cook and I looked up the history of kiss the cook. Like how did we get this phrase anyway? And, you know, because today we see it on barbecue aprons, right? There's the guy on the barbecue and he's wearing the apron, kiss the cook. And it was probably a gift from his wife or his mom or, you know, somebody. Well, the phrase, you know, dates back to 1800s or earlier. And there's, you know, some kind of deranged stories behind it. Um, you can look it up yourself. You can Google it. Some of the stories are not actually that pleasant. But anyway, we are now, we have this phrase, kiss the cook. And I like it too, even though it has some, you know, deranged stories behind it. So anyway, we have this phrase, kiss the cook. And what I want to say in the comments, hope for good, depends who you're cooking for. Yeah, totally. You don't want to kiss every cook and you don't want everybody to kiss you when you're the cook. But here's the thing. We're in families, loving families, loving relationships. And how this plays out is different depending on the relationship. And what I want to say in this kitchen rule is I don't think it applies just to men who like to barbecue. It applies to anyone, even you, if you're the one doing the cooking, which I think probably most of us here on this podcast are the cooks in the family. Relationships are really important and they can either, like even in the kitchen, our relationships can be built. Even in the kitchen, relationships can be ignored. Let's not waste the time in the kitchen and think that, oh, because I'm cooking, it's not the time for other layers of life to be happening, such as our relationships in our love. So I think lots more kissing should go on in the kitchen. This is related to number four, like I said, but it's more active. So number four was to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness. Well, number five is actually to be active about that love. And that is through kissing or <laughs> depending on the relationship, it might be your children. And it's an active hug of appreciation and love. If it's your spouse, yes, a kiss. Now you, the if the cook isn't you and the cook is in the kitchen and they're actually really stressed out and they're juggling a lot of things, maybe they won't want to be kissed and you save it for later. So, you, you know, there's a personal dynamic there. If you're the cook and you are stressed out and you don't want anybody touching you or kissing you, maybe it happens later. But the point is, um, kiss the cook. More kissing should happen in the kitchen. It's an appreciation with an action attached to it. So you've got a smile, happiness, you've got thanks, and then you're reaching out, touching a hug or a kiss of appreciation between um, you and the cook or if you are the cook and your family to the people that are helping you. My kiss of choice is usually a hug of thanks to the kids and my husband or kisses to my husband or if they come in the kitchen when I'm cooking even if they're not helping out. I love that they're in the kitchen with me and so I, unless they're like totally not in the mood, you know, I hug them and kiss them. I love my family and I love it when they're in the kitchen with me. Sometimes I even require it. <laughs> and actually in our family, this is not the kitchen, but in our family, we um, hug. Everyone hugs and says good morning every morning. And, and every night, the kids and I, um, sorry, my husband and I go to our children and say good night and we love you. And if they go to bed before us, which doesn't often happen, we're usually the ones going to bed first, uh, we ask that you guys come and say good night to us and hug us good night. It's not a forced thing, but it's just... We just decided it was important in our family that we show love that way, to just touch base, morning and night at least. And of course, we're, we're nearly together all the time. But it's that action to show somebody you love them. So that was number five, kiss the cook, because the kitchen can be fun. 
and I encourage you to bring your life and your loves in there. Don't make the kitchen separate from living and loving. You want to grow in love rather than stop. Um, Because you're cooking, you can still be growing in love. It doesn't mean the loving has to stop just because you're busy or the loving has to stop because your spouse is cooking. You know, just keep it going. Be active, active in love. And of course, um, that is, this is in addition to, I mean, the very, the very act of cooking is, uh, can be a loving serving thing. So I'm talking about doing more things than the actual hands-on of cooking. And I see in the comments, someone saying usually alone in the kitchen. Well, if there's a way for you to fix that, I hope that you can, maybe it just starts with praying about it. Um, or, Maybe there's something you could delegate. Maybe there's something you could communicate to your family members. Like I could, I'm alone in the kitchen. If anybody has spare time, could you just come and we visit? You don't have to do anything, but we just talk when I'm cooking. Or if you want to pitch in, I could use some help with this. And maybe they have no idea that you're lonely in the kitchen and that you would want somebody there. And, oh, I see hope for good. Many people are alone today. Me too. I am sorry about that. And, I don't know all of you um, specifically, but I keep a prayer list and I'm going to add this to my prayer list. So just know that somebody is praying for you who cares about that. And I pray that the Lord would um, make your kitchen not lonely because I think a lot of loving can happen in the kitchen. All right, so we are done. I can't believe I spent so much time talking on five simple kitchen rules. Thank you all for being here. Do you guys have anything to add before we wrap up? We have a live audience here, and I want you to feel like you can leave a comment um, or add a question. Let's keep it related. I don't really want to go into other subjects, but we can talk about that. And if you're listening to this later on the replay, um, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150. I want to hear from you in the comments. And if you want to add a future kitchen rules that I could use on a future episode, let me know. I also want to hear from you if you enjoyed this and if you'd like to hear more um, more kitchen rules. Thank you in the comments, everyone who's saying it was great and you appreciated it. Well, I'm glad you did because it's kind of a departure, isn't it? But it was fun for me to think of and do, and I really appreciate that you're all here. So that's a wrap. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 150. You guys are so encouraging. I will see you at the show notes. God bless you. And remember, I am praying for those of you who are lonely in the kitchen. As soon as I press stop here, I'm going to add it to my prayer list and pray for you each morning as I do. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode and get links and more resources about today's topic. Just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. It's a gift. Finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested will find this podcast too. Thank you so much and God bless you.